Welcome back to the Lawn Care Radio Network. I'm Katie Tuttle, and today I'm joined on the phone with Dr. Chris Williamson from the University of Wisconsin. Today we'll be talking about chinch bugs and what options LCOs have for control. Chris, thanks for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, the first question I want to ask is what problems do chinch bugs cause for LCOs? That's a great question. And, and, and first, before we get into specifically answering that question, I just want to state that there are essentially four predominant species of chinch bugs in the United States, uh, two of which occur very commonly here in the, in the uh, Midwest, in the Great Lakes region. Well, those two include the hairy and the common chinch bug. They're quite predominant throughout the, the Northeast as well in parts of southern Canada, west to Minnesota, and uh, even south into Virginia. Predominantly, these two species feed on cool season turf grasses. Uh, we also have the southern chinch bug, which is really uh, occurs much down in uh, North Carolina, down to Florida Keys, into southern Oklahoma, and even into the eastern half of Texas. And to that end, I want to make it very clear, I'm, I'm certainly no expert I don't have a lot of experience with that. And then lastly, we have the western chinch bug, which we find in the central United States, so out in the Great Plains, and then south down into Mexico. So I just wanted to get that out there to make folks aware of the various chinch bugs that we have. So those are the four that I just mentioned. In terms of what problems do chinch bugs cause uh, lawn care operators? Well, chinch bugs um, have piercing, sucking mouth parts, and they are what we call a hemimetabolous insect, meaning they have incomplete metamorphosis. And what that means is the adults and the young, which we call the nymphs, really closely resemble one another. And there are six nymphal stages and one adult stage. And of course, there's an egg stage as well. But they all have identical types of mouth parts. And they're very gregarious animals, meaning they hang out together. And the way that they feed is they have a piercing, sucking mouth part. So that when they probe into the plant, they feed on the, the plant leaves and the leaf sheaths and the stems of the plants. And when they do this, they're sucking plant juices out of it. And as they do this, uh, the plant tends to uh, start to yellow. And that's the type of damage that you will initially see. And as that feeding progresses or intensifies, the turf will typically dry out or turn brown. And then furthermore, uh, severe chinch bug damage can result in some pretty drastic thinning or even a, a death of a turf stand. So, for the LCOs out there, chinch bugs can be very devastating. Now, to that end, I just want to point out that if we talk about the hairy and the common chinch bug here in the uh, Midwest or the Great Lakes and even out east, we typically see two generations per year with that. And the same with the western chinch bug. However, when we start talking about the southern chinch bug, if you get into parts of uh, northern Florida or parts of Georgia, you see three to four generations per year. But you get into southern Florida, you can see as many as seven to 10 generations per year. So you can see how that could be very detrimental to the lawn care operators down there. What treatment options are available to LCOs for chinch bugs? An another very good question. And uh, to that end, we have uh, uh, several types of insecticides that are available to us. But I want to categorize them into, to break them down into two categories right away. And those are the contact insecticides as well as the second group would be the systemic insecticides. Contact insecticides would include many of your synthetic pyrethroids, um, also other products that we have uh, 
available to us are, are some of the carbamates such as carbaryl and also organophosphates such as uh, uh, trichloroform, which you may know as Dilox. So we have some uh, treatment options available to us. I want to point out that uh, with the southern chinch bug, that is one that I am not tremendously familiar with, but I do know that there are some serious issues with re resistance management down there as it relates to the synthetic pyrethroids because there has been documented evidence of a synthetic pyrethroid resistance to the southern chinch bug. Taking somewhat of a switch, can you tell us about your trial work and research with various insecticides for chinch bug control? Absolutely. Um, once again, I, my, my research is, is largely limited to the hairy and the common chinch bug, and even more predominantly the hairy chinch bug, because in my conversations with some of my colleagues, and more specifically Dr. Dave Shetler at The Ohio State University, he and I are pretty convinced that the common chinch bug isn't as common as we might think in the turf grass arena. It's more the hairy chinch bug. But to that end, uh, I look at uh, uh, some of the contact uh, products, some of the systemic products. I'm looking at rates of, of these various products. I'm looking at the timing of the application of these products. I'm looking at some of the formulations and also the residual activity. And just to give you a perspective on some of the products that I've evaluated from a systemic perspective, would be Arena, which contains the active ingredient clothianidin. I've looked at Meridian, which contains the active ingredient thiamethoxam. And I've also looked at Merit, which contains the active ingredient midacloprid. All of those would be the systemic products that I looked at. From a contact perspective, I've looked at the synthetic pyrethroids. We haven't experienced the uh, uh, resistance situation that they have with the southern chinch bug. So we're looking at products like Delta Guard, which is Delta Methrin. We looked at Scimitar, which is Lambda Cyhalothrin. We looked at Tallstar, which is Bifenthrin. And we looked at Tempo, which is the Beta Cyfluthrin. What I can say about many of these synthetic pyrethroids is you can obtain anywhere from about seven to about really pushing the envelope 20 days of residual on a uh, uh, some of my trials, but by and large, I would say it's somewhere in the range of seven to ten days of residual activity with the uh, contacts that I just mentioned, which are the synthetic pyrethroids. Conversely, we saw a great residual activity with these systemics, and we could get about six to eight weeks of residual control with the systemic products that I mentioned previously, such as Arena, Meridian, and Merit. And then one other thing. Uh, from a formulation perspective, in my research, I found that uh, some of the granular materials work quite well if you apply them according to the label and you get the appropriate amount of post-treatment irrigation down. They can be very effective. If you don't, if you can't get that post-treatment irrigation down with some of those products, the likelihood of success is uh, uh, minimized. And when considering products for chinch bug control, why is the residual important? Well, I'll speak on, uh, to the end of what we have here in the Midwest or the Great Lakes in terms of the hairy chinch bug. It, it's really nice for the lawn care operators or the LCOs to go out with a systemic because they can typically capture and control, when I say capture, I'm, I'm really talking about the control of the two generations that we typically have here in the Great Lakes area. 
Um, conversely, if you're down in Florida, for example, southern Florida, and you use a systemic material uh, where you have anywhere from seven to ten generations per year down there, residual control may at first uh, glance sound very, very appealing. However, it could also potentially lead to the, the greater likelihood of resistance because you are exposing multiple generations to the same uh, active ingredient, i.e. the same mode of action. So in that particular context, it may be more advantageous to have something that has less of a residual activity so that you can begin to rotate the chemistries of the products throughout the, the season. Does not having to immediately water in a product um, a deciding factor for LCOs? I would say largely that it is very appealing to most lawn care operators not having to water because they aren't taxed with that responsibility of ensuring that that material gets watered in. So that could be applied to white grubs, that could be applied to surface feeding, other surface feeding insects such as Lepidopteran, such as sod webworm. Uh, but when it comes to uh, chinch bugs, it's really going to be dependent, uh, the post-treatment irrigation that is, is going to be dependent or contingent upon the product that you're selecting as well as the formulation. Because some formulations will require that that material is watered in with this, within a certain period of time, while others may not require that. And an example of that would be if we were to look at many of the synthetic pyrethroids that we're going to use as a, as a sprayable, not as a granular, but as a sprayable, um, uh, post-treatment irrigation is not necessary. However, if we have a granular material that happens to contain a contact insecticide, post-treatment irrigation may be necessary. Another example where post-treatment irrigation may be necessary is when we have a systemic material that has to be uh, absorbed by the roots of the turf grass plant and translocated via the xylem into the mesophyll tissues of the plant. So uh, does not having to immediately water in a product, is it a deciding factor for LCOs? It could be, but uh, it's really, once again, just to reiterate this and reemphasize this, it's going to be contingent upon the product that we select as well as the formulation of that product. And does it reduce callbacks? Oh, not necessarily because it, 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 it could reduce callbacks, but not necessarily because it's going to be contingent upon the product that's selected. It's going to be contingent upon the formulation. And also, was that product applied at the uh, appropriate timing? Because that can really play into that. So it's really hard to discern whether or not that's going to reduce callbacks. I, I'd say in theory, it potentially could, but not in all cases. And is there anything else that you think we should know about chinch bugs? Oh uh, well, I can give you one thing that's a little bit of trivia, but it's a very interesting historical perspective. Here in Wisconsin, um, we used to be past tense one of the largest wheat-producing states in North America. However, two organisms came to the demise of wheat production in Wisconsin, and this is very interesting. Number one. It was a uh, disease pathogen. And number two, it was the common chinch bug destroyed thousands and tens of thousands of acres of wheat. And consequently, farmers uh, resulted into looking at alternative farming means. And if it weren't for the chinch bug and a disease pathogen, Wisconsin 
probably wouldn't be known as the dairy state because that's really what propelled us into the dairy state. Uh, folks got away from wheat and they started growing forages and got into dairy farming. A little bit of trivia there, but uh, uh, beyond that, for the biology and management of chinch bugs, um, there there are some options out there for the folks to use from a from a chemical perspective. One thing I will mention too, from from a non non chemical perspective or non insecticide perspective, we do have endophytic grasses that contain mutualistic uh, fungi that live inside the confines of the plants. Unfortunately, they're limited to perennial ryegrass and the tall fescues. We don't have them in Kentucky bluegrass. And unfortunately, Kentucky bluegrass is a very uh, suitable host for chinch bugs, particularly hairy chinch bug and common chinch bug. So beyond that, I don't really have anything else to add. Well, thanks so much. And Chris, thanks for taking the time to talk today. You're certainly welcome.